0: hi everyone and welcome to episode 7 of our 50 reasons to visit ireland my name is caitlin and i spent a semester in ireland
1: my name is joe and i spent 22 years of my life in ireland and we both currently work at crystal travel and tours in boston
0: We're breaking down many things that make Ireland such a spectacular destination. It's an overused phrase, as we always say, but there really is something for everyone out there, and we intend to prove that.
1: We have various themes we'll focus on, and within those themes, we'll count from one all the way through to 50. Our current and very new theme is Ireland's history of immigration, and today, reason seven is the Great Famine. As we always like to do here, we're keeping stuff uh, light, so we're going with a really light subject matter the Great Famine. You know? I was going to say woo, <laughs> but I really don't
0: want to say woo in terms <laughs> too, too of famine. Soon, Caitlin, too too soon. soon, too soon. No,
1: um, no. No, the famine <laughs> was a huge, huge point in not only Ireland's history of immigration, but in, I mean, it's one of, if not the seminal point in all of Irish history. So it would be remiss of us not to dedicate an episode of to it. And Absolutely. while this is 50 reasons to visit Ireland, we're not going to say one of the reasons to visit Ireland is for the famine, but there is such a legacy left behind from the famine, be it the immigration side or some of the attractions and stuff you can do in the country right now. Um, that is a legacy of the famine. So we uh, we kind of wanted to talk about that and shed a light on that.
0: Absolutely. It's um, very good for not only history buffs, but honestly, I think... The way the famine transpired, it affected not only Ireland, but the world in general. Absolutely. So anybody can have somewhat of a connection there.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm kind of excited about this theme in general because, I don't know if anybody could tell, but I am an immigrant myself. Whoa. So, yeah. Pull the phone. Stop the presses. I know. Hang on. It has become a part of my life, obviously, you know, looking into these issues and seeing people who have gone before me. Sure. And... I don't feel bad for myself having emigrated. I think it's been a great, great thing for me. <laughs> but hundreds and thousands and maybe even millions of Irish before me emigrated because they had no other choice. And I, I mean, I did have a choice, so I'm not, not one of those. But it's just it blows my mind to think of these 15-year-old girls who left Ireland at that age to just come and make a new life for themselves across here obviously it wasn't just 15 year old girls but you know young people and people who have nothing in ireland to go and forge a new life for themselves over here it's just it's uh
0: people who came with nothing really, basically
1: it's an incredible thing to think about just them jumping on a boat and spending a week at sea not even sure if they'd make it over here and if they did what they would do where they would go and just seeing the legacy they left behind as well is Absolutely. uh it's pretty special
0: so, coming over here, immigrating, was there something that really shocked you about America that you weren't expecting? I mean, you know.
1: I moved in the age of the internet. It's not that different to our... There's still stuff that gets me every day that I'm like wow, this is different to what, what I would be doing <laughs> in Ireland or what I do at home. Sure. But nothing. There has been no huge culture shock or anything. Obviously, sure, I speak sure. the language. I right. knew some people when I was coming over here. It wasn't a big deal.
0: Right, so, right. Yeah. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. But yeah, it's
1: definitely different. Because we have a new theme, we've revamped the show a little bit. I'm
0: really excited changed, about this.
1: <laughs> changed some uh, changed some names of segments and gotten in some new segments. I'm
0: ready for my dance. So, I do Do a little. I do a little dance when Joe says this name because. Okay, just just (laughs) say it. Just say it. I sound like a complete. So we have gotten
1: rid of the fun fact, and for this theme in its place, we've got a segment called Immigration Nation Appreciation.
0: Station. Station.
1: Yes, that is enough rhyming there. I like Basically it. Basically what this segment is, and it's my turn this week, is we are going to highlight a famous Irish immigrant or the ancestors of an Irish immigrant. This week, mm. I have a good one. I haven't told Caitlin who it is, even though I did kind of put it in the show notes. And if she <laughs> if she if she wanted to look it up. I she, could, uh, but she on could
0: our have, system, I'm not going uh, to do that to you, Joe. Right. I'm not going to do that.
1: So. A person called Keppel Elias was born in Kilkenny and moved to Canada around the time of the famine when he was a child, accompanied by his very Irish parents. Oh. Around about the same time, a lady called Mary Richardson, she was actually a child at the time, Mary Richardson, emigrated Ireland and also settled in Ontario, Canada. What were the chances? She met Keppel Elias. We need a button. Mary and Keppel had a son named Elias. And I could be saying this wrong, I don't know. But (laughs) Elias moved all over the country from California, Denver, Ohio, Florida, Chicago. (laughs) I I forgot you were from there. Oh, wait. He tried and failed to start many, many businesses. Elias married a woman by the name of Flora Call. And they had five children, Herbert, Raymond, Roy, Walter, and Ruth one of them walter went on to become an entrepreneur an animator
0: oh, a i know voice this.
1: actor i know this and a film producer
0: who could it be and this
1: man walter was or came to be who Walt do we think it is,
0: boys and girls? Disney. Walt Disney! Yeah,
1: Walt Disney. So Walt Disney has Irish grandparents. I have there a friend who,
0: dear God, I hope was listening right now. She studied in our, uh, Orlando at the Walt Disney World. Oh, wow. Whatever. <laughs> and she's a huge thespian, um, so she loved all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yes, shout-out to Megan. <laughs> Shout out to Megan. That that was your moment. We hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> congratulations
1: on being a Walt Disney fan.
0: Congratulations. And Disney in general. Everything yes. Disney. Yes. Uh-huh. Congratulations.
1: He was the co-creator or whatever. Nice. His name. I did
0: not know he had so, Irish ancestry. Yeah, there you go. Oh.
1: Two, two Irish grandparents. Would you woo woo. Yeah.
0: Very so, good. You know. Very good. The more you know. It so, is time for a history lesson.
1: Yes. Right. Are you going to ask me any questions about the famine, Caitlin, that you might want to know the answers to? Well,
0: I think in order to really grasp the famine, there are three questions that you kind of have to wrap your head around. One, how did it all come about? Two, what happened during the famine years? Three, what affected the famine have on Ireland and the world as a whole. That's a
1: good question. Excellent questions, Gideon. Why?
0: It's, thank you. I came up with them at the top a, you must of my have head. Just spent a lot of
1: time on those.
0: <laughs> I just so, shot them out right now.
1: We're not going to stay too long in the history of things because it does get quite depressing, whatever. But it is important to.
0: I think it's get a certain.
1: Oh, it's very it's very fascinating, but uh, it's depressing. Good to get a certain grounding in the history of it to know exactly what happened I guess and uh, just so listeners are aware I will be using some puns throughout so look out for them as if they're not aware
0: already <laughs> hello oh my god
1: how did it all come about there are a laundry list of reasons why it could have come about but they all intermingle with each other quite a bit one you could say was an over over reliance on the potato mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. joke still exists today that Irish people potatoes ha 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 landlords too many landlords too greedy is another and we'll get into that a little bit more subdivision of land and that is by everybody knows irish families are or were big they would have let's say they had a hundred acres of land but they had 10 children and five of them were sons the five sons would get the hundred acres split up between them after the father died or got too old to take care of the land and all of a sudden that 100 acre farm became five 20 acre farms each of them five sons had five more sons and all of a sudden two generations go by and they're down to four acres apiece. some of them emigrated obviously it didn't always work out exactly like that but that is the subdivision of land there was smaller and less land to farm on for each family so that became a problem overpopulation another problem There was 9 million people. Well, 8 to 9 million people on the the island. And there were lots of other factors that could have played into it. And it takes a number of different things like this to go wrong uh, for a catastrophe on this scale. As we will find out with... Not going to tell you. Oh, I was was excited. So while all of these reasons feed into each other, it all...
0: Wow.
1: It all boils down to an over-reliance on the potato if I can be so bold as to make (laughs) a famine related double pun oh god yeah that's
0: how we're gonna start this too soon Joe too soon
1: so thinking about Ireland in the 1940s as I said landlords were blamed by many for the famine there were around ten thousand of them in Ireland, and some owned up to one hundred and fifty thousand acres, which is a lot of land. Mm-hmm. Trinity College in Dublin was actually one of the largest um, landowners in Ireland,
0: which is interesting. I wouldn't. Yeah. No, no, no.
1: Dublin was not the way it was back then. Yeah. Not the way it is now. Back I guess then. not. So some wealthy Catholics would sublet large tracts of land and charge tenants a markup on it, and a lot of the landlords wouldn't even live on their own land; they'd just be, you know i guess living anywhere else and just collecting their wage and not mm-hmm. caring what was what was happening on their land right in the west as i said subdivision of land was a huge problem um each generation became poorer and poorer they had less to survive on and in for example county mayo in 1841 more than 70% of all holdings were less than 5 acres Jeez. which is which is not a lot of land wow the less land they had, the more potato dependent they became because of how the potato grows. It was one of the few crops that would give the highest yield in the sometimes harsh climate in the west of Ireland because of the rain and the wind and the <laughs> sometimes cold. So yeah, uh, there was little land for cash crops to be sold for income. So it was the potato was grown to feed them basically. Mm-hmm. So one question people ask then is, was Ireland overpopulated in 1845 when the famine did hit? And it's hard to know. But what we do know is it has never recovered to that level. There was over 8 million people in Ireland uh, prior to the famine. And I think about 5 million at the moment. And it was, I think, three and a half when I was growing up. So it's, it was wow. way down. Wow. So, yeah. Um Well, it's getting back up there, but definitely not not what it was. Yeah, yeah, Um, wow. The over-reliance on the potato is something that people talk about a lot. Was there not any other food
0: on the island? Which is what Uh, I always grew up hearing, yes. And there
1: is definitely, um, not even a line of thinking, there is definite facts there to suggest that there was, and there is still a lot of anger and resentment, a hundred and whatever years later to what went on during the famine a family of five or six could survive off one acre of potatoes for a year Uh, crazy crazy and one third of the potatoes were actually fed to the livestock but the potatoes were very watery and tasteless they were a different type of potato than we would eat today they were called a lumper i think um, and they were just really heavy and watery, as mm. as I said. So not the nicest, but they they grew in pretty harsh conditions, which was good, and they they did have great nutrition. Um,
0: you would think that eating all those potatoes, they would not have great nutrition. That that you know the Irish would not be healthy and.
1: That's the funny thing is there have been I want not eyewitness reports but definitely writings that I've seen that. Uh, suggest that the Irish did look very poor and raggedy, but they mm. also looked quite healthy. Their you know hmm. body condition was quite good, yeah. and they did eat. Um, the estimate is that they had a about a four thousand calorie diet per day, which is <laughs> pretty big because mostly what they had was potatoes and buttermilk. Uh, but I mean, they obviously worked a lot harder, and everything yeah. that everybody did was physical Much labor back manual, then. So you would obviously mm-hmm. burn it off a lot labor. better. So, what happened during the famine years was your next question. Correct. Correct. People died and people emigrated. It's as simple as that. That was, it was not a good time. And I don't want to uh, get too much into that because it is, it's, it's sad and it's shameful. But basically, what happened the potato crop failed for a number of years due to a disease called blight. And the famine began in 1845 and blight basically just turned the potatoes into a mushy disgusting mess and i even i kind mm. of i kind of gag thinking about it because i did uh, pick potatoes when i was younger uh, my neighbor had a potato farm i guess and for a couple of weeks in at the end of summer we would go and pick potatoes and you would find the odd rotten potato and if you find a rotten potato the smell and the feel of it is just it's really really disgusting so i can only imagine thousands and probably millions of potatoes across Ugh. the country i'd say the smell just hung in the air from that to be honest oh my gosh. Been, oh. so yeah people died they died of starvation and they died died of diseases caused by not eating and right. the, the conditions that they would be in because of that about a million people died and about another million emigrated during and in the immediate aftermath of the famine and It was definitely, you know, a huge, huge thing in in such a short space of time to have so many people leave the island was
0: What a way to turn your world upside down. down. You know, you've lost everything that you're familiar with. Your family's dying. If you stay any longer, you could be the next one. And then do you you stay? Do you go? What do you do? And then you go, and then you come to a new world, and then it's a whole other ballgame. The challenge isn't over, you know?
1: Yeah, it's pretty, pretty insane. Mm -hmm. So where did they emigrate to... Um, America, Canada, Glasgow, Liverpool, anywhere anywhere they could, basically. But it was estimated that by eight, the 1860s, one in four workers in America was Irish-born, mm. which is insane, yeah. if you, if you yeah. think about that. Really? And that wasn't all to do with the famine again. As about uh, 1.5 million emigrated in the 30 years prior to the famine, and a million of them did go to North America, so... That million coupled with most of the million that went through the famine. That's a, a lot of working age people.
0: I think it's interesting that they went to Glasgow and Liverpool. Do you think that's just because those were more industrial areas and you know,
1: Yeah, as far as I know, but you will see the legacy, especially in Glasgow at the moment of that. Um, through if you look at the, the soccer clubs over there, Celtic and Rangers, there's still a big oh a big rivalry between the Catholics and the Protestants there and that oh. that harks back to famine immigration sure, and a sure. lot of Irish people have this affinity with Celtic Football Club, which mm-hmm. is in Glasgow and it's in Scotland and Scottish football isn't a big thing, but that is all part of the the famine and its legacy as well. Hmm. So we kind of go back to the question of was there no other food on the island? And
0: You would think I, so. I
1: didn't know whether I should talk about this or not talk about it, but I think it is too important to not mention I don't like to get political here, but there was some trends of thought as to why the famine happened and a lot of the a lot of people in Ireland still blame the British government for what happened because there was a couple of lines of thinking from the government One was that it was God's will and that's why they left Ireland to its own issues. There was food on the island and probably enough to feed the people, but it was getting exported, 30,000 to 40,000 pounds of food getting exported that the Irish couldn't afford and the British government, they said, number one, that it was God's will and they did not want to interfere with that. And number two, they were saying that it was... Um, the Irish getting what they deserved for being lazy and raggedy and wow. filthy and there was that line of thinking so it's 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 hard not to look past that as well to wonder if this could have been avoided and or at least a lot of it could have been avoided sure sure but um, we won't dwell on that too much did you have a third question Caitlin? I
0: did What effect did the famine have, not only on Ireland, but the world as well? So
1: this is the exciting part, and this is where we kind of wanted to get to at this point. Yes. Obviously, the famine was a huge tragedy at the time, and it was just this awful thing that could happen to a country. But there is obviously going to be a silver lining from this kind of thing. And that silver lining is that 55 million people worldwide now claim Irish ancestry. Not All famine related, it's but it all has to do tie in with our theme of emigration. But the famine contributed greatly to this, and it's a lot of the reason why there is such a huge presence of Irish people in North America, particularly, and even Boston and especially like Boston. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: So that's the silver lining from it. Obviously, the other effects are that you know the population of Ireland never recovered because it's you know, never gotten even close to that 8 million again. Geltacht and rural areas never recovered. They were disproportionately hit during the famine years because of how rural, how scattered everybody was there. It was harder to even if there was food coming into the country, it had come in through Dublin and there was no, you know, 18-wheeler trucks to haul it to the west of Ireland to feed Can't even the, imagine. the peasants. Can't even it, imagine You know, without spoiling there was no refrigeration there was no whatever so sure, trying sure. to get the food there was next to impossible before Absolutely. it spoiled so uh, yeah these areas were hit disproportionately and that's why there is still so many rural areas that are you know not heavily populated on the plus side the legacy of the famine has been um Preserved to this present day in Ireland in a number of different attractions, which Absolutely. Caitlin is going to
0: talk about now. Sure, you can't have something as big as the famine occur and not have an aftermath of places and I. I mean, I guess I could go. I'm going to get more specific here in a second, but you no can, way and yes way, yes oh, way. Wow. Uh, you can't have something like the famine happen and not have destinations throughout Ireland that really pay tribute to and it. Memorials. and Memorials, Othnos. correct, yes. Throughout Ireland, you'll find various famine villages that are meant to pay tribute and kind of give people an inside look. Um, one of those is the Doha Famine Village. I got that one right. I'm pretty happy. Uh, you get to go on a tour that takes you from the famine in the 1840s all the way to present day. So you not only see kind of what we were talking about um, more up close and personal but you see kind of the Ireland through the ages and and how Mm -hmm. it got to be how it is today. Uh, You'll find thatched dwellings that were once inhabited Um, You'll find important Irish figures dressed in authentic costumes kind of help set the scene. So you have these famine villages, um, you know, that you can find and tour. But then you wonder to yourself, how did the people of Ireland get to where they wanted to go when they were emigrating? Well, there is the S.S. Dunbrody Famine Emigrant Ship Experience. How's that for a long name?
1: Also, Commonly known as Dunbrody Famine Ship. Sure, sure, (laughs) yes,
0: but you get the emigrant ship experience, which I wanted to include for you guys. Um, This is an authentic reproduction of an 1840s emigrant vessel. You get a world-class interpretation of the famine emigrant experience. When you board this ship, you get a tour, and you're really put in the shoes of someone who, in fact, emigrated um, from Ireland years ago. You board the Dunbrody, and you think to yourself, you know, this would be your home for the next month-long trip to New York. Uh, tour guides help paint a picture of the harsh conditions, what it was like to actually be on board. These,
1: these kind of ships were actually called coffin ships or they're still referred to as coffin ships. Which is ships, awful. Which is miserable, so but that's, morbid
0: but true, I'm it's sure. the way
1: it was. A Absolutely. Lot people, a lot of people didn't survive the journey. Absolutely. So
0: and like with many other uh, famine-related destinations you will find uh, this ship has costume performers who play the roles of, of famine immigrants um, and help it come to life. And then later on after your tour, you get to arrivals hall where you see what it was like for those who survived because like I said the the battle didn't end with leaving Ireland I mean that was for many people just the beginning they had to make their way and and create a new life you'll also find the Irish immigrant wall of honor Um, and this is really cool in my opinion it's a boardwalk that's near the ship people from all over the world Joe have visited this place and they have paid to have their ancestors names inscribed on the wall so whether you have an ancestor that came over in the 1840s or whether you have an ancestor who came over i don't know 1950s and and even
1: 2011
0: sure there you go <laughs> boom there you go i mean hey now um they're still taking names so this is kind of a cool way to should you go to ireland and have cool. irish ancestry kind of really leave your mark is,
1: that's pretty interesting
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so, moving on, another interesting place, Strokestown Park and the Irish National Famine Museum. The park alone is just beautiful. Uh, you'll find the Strokestown Park House. It's gorgeous. It's got a Georgian Palladian mansion that you can tour. And, you know, you think to yourself, what does this have to do with the famine? This is beautiful. It's, it looks like a place where people would thrive. While on the flip side, in its original stable yards, you'll find the Famine Museum. And like I said, it's a bit of a paradox because you have this lavish house that's get, that gives off, you know, a prominent wealthy lifestyle of the Irish landlord. However, the Famine Museum um, kind of balances it out and you'll actually find unique documents and letters and things That were found in the estate itself. So an Irish landlord did live there, and these are letters from people who were writing to him pleading. It
1: it really is a fascinating thing. Yes, thinking about the two Irelands that probably existed during the famine as well. Two very different lifestyles. Lived differently too. Sure. And if you think something like Downton Abbey, and I hate. I hate when I see a house like Strokestown House and people are like, oh yeah, basically Downton Abbey, but But think think of the levels of, you know, the completely different lives people And then just multiply it by... Infinity, basically, sure. some of the suffering from the the poor peasants compared to the you know the wealthy landlords. The
0: tenants, the tenants did were not peasants. Have to Deal with it. You look at their letters and they're pleading. Um, you know they're they're starving and they they're at their wits end. They don't know what to do. They're they're pleading for him to mm.
1: show mercy. I don't know if we cover this anywhere else, but some of the landlords actually paid for their tenants to emigrate, which sounds wow. like sounds like a nice thing, but it wasn't because they could just you know it would cost them almost nothing to pay their board on a ship or whatever but it would get them off their land they would they may not have been able to pay their rent or whatever but then they could you know they could rent out the land or sell it elsewhere or use it themselves to but it's just it's
0: an ongoing cycle you run it out and then the same thing is going to happen another really interesting place is the famine memorial in Dublin Uh, this is located in the Dublin Docklands and it's a sculpture located where one of the very first voyages of the famine period began So, as the ship was called, the Perseverance sailed from Custom House Key on St. Patrick's Day of all days, Joe, in 1846. uh, To give you a general idea, and again, I know that the value of the dollar, the value of the pound has changed since then, but tickets cost three pounds. And actually, 210 people um, made the journey, and they all survived, which is not a happy ending that you will hear about too often. Looking
1: at that sculpture on the memorial, though, it doesn't look like a very happy ending. It's a haunting Haunting sculpture. It's I mean, awful. It's really beautiful, but it's it's you know. It's art. It's definitely art. Absolutely. And and we'll put a picture in the show notes too. Absolutely. You an idea of what sure, that is. sure. Um, speaking of custom house key, Caitlin, is yes. there anything else in that general area that should be visited? There
0: is, and this is a place that I myself. Um when I was in Ireland, was it was not there yet, yes. so I'm hoping to visit it soon. This is my
1: favorite attraction. I was there in December.
0: I'm hoping to make it, it my favorite attraction that I visited. <laughs> um, yes, it is called Epic. It's the Irish Emigration Museum. This is in Dublin, and you're looking for a 21st century, state-of-the-art experience this is this is it, you got it right here. Um, Epic tells the story of more than ten million journeys of people who emigrated from Ireland and the roots of their ancestors. Um, what happened to them? Where did they go? What did they do? Uh, And so on. Uh, You've got 20 interactive galleries that illuminate the Irish community's past, present and future. So it really takes you from way back when up until now and in the future, of course, it gives you the chance to discover more about the reasons why so many people left Ireland over the centuries, not just the famine, even though the famine was huge and and a huge part in the Irish community. You'll explore the relationships between those who left Ireland and those who stayed behind, because a lot of people did stay, and that's something to consider as well. Which
1: is all part of an immigration history—is the people who stayed too? Absolutely, very,
0: very yes, of course. It's a great way uh, visiting this museum. It's a great way to celebrate how the Irish have really influenced world culture, um, which is why we're talking about the famine today. You can also visit the Irish Family History Centre and meet with a genealogy expert, which is something I want to do, uh, for a consultation to trace your roots.
1: It was actually really cool. When we were there, we went on a, on a work trip, but I was there as a first-generation immigrant. Sure.
0: I yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: and I was that with, had to be cool. I was with two co-workers, Anne, whose mother emigrated. And Katie, whose grandmother immigrated, so it was it was pretty cool having all the different points of views and the different um, level of immigrant, I guess. Sure. I mean, we all we all really loved the exhibit. It was it was just we all got something different from it. I think as absolutely you know, as Irish people and as descendants of Irish people, it was just it was really cool.
0: Sure. I mentioned earlier, uh, you'll find famine villages kind of scattered throughout Ireland. Um, You'll also find every now and then you'll find a ghost village. There's a place called Port in County Donegal, and it's also uh, referred to as a deserted village. This is an abandoned settlement. Um, It's got crumbling cottages. No one's living there. It's it's a ghost village, and okay. um, I
1: think this goes back to Ireland. I won't say being overpopulated, but having a population of over eight million at the time. Sure. People settled in different areas and had settlements grow up around them, mm-hmm. and then these settlements just—whether people died or they emigrated or whatever—they just there was not enough people to maintain them, and they just I, left and moved elsewhere.
0: I think it's important to note too that because there were so many, they went where they had to. These weren't necessarily places where life could thrive and everyday communities could, could prosper. Um,
1: Which but, is why this one is important.
0: Uh, all. There's another one on sure. um,
1: Akil Island as well.
0: Sure. Um, uh, and, of course, you know, obviously the people who lived here, um, because we're talking about this right now, were said to have been around during the famine. Being there, it's haunting, it's eerie, it's, it's moving, it's... An experience like no other. And I know I use that phrase a lot, but I, but I think this is something that um, really is it's its moving, mm-hmm. you know. So you've got deserted villages. You've got museums that, um, you know, commemorate the emigration movement itself. And then you've got the statue of Annie Moore found in Cove. Annie, in case you have not heard of her, um, which I hadn't until something no. that I'm going to talk about. No, 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 <laughs> I did know who she was, but I, but I'll tell you how I found out about her. Annie was the first immigrant to pass through Ellis Island. Uh, on January 1st, 1892, uh, her 15th birthday. So imagine, you're 15 years old, you have yes. your whole life ahead of you. I didn't, I didn't you. actually
1: even realize she was 15 when I mentioned about 15-year-olds. Yeah. Oh, girls. I, thought,
0: I thought you did. No,
1: because I have heard so many stories yes, about these she women was, who were 15. She that was, she was yeah.
0: 15, yes. Um, she was traveling with her little brother. She left Cove. And, um, she sailed from Cove to New York. She became a popular symbol for immigration, and especially, as we just said, for, for those who left Ireland at such a such a young age. Her statue is located not far from the Cove Heritage Center, where you can learn about her story and that of countless others.
1: And there is actually a bar near Grand Central Station in New York, I think, called Annie Moores. So. Really? Yeah. Ah, so. <laughs> there
0: you go, making her mark everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the way I heard about anymore Joe, and I know you've heard this song. Uh, there's a song called "Called Isle of Hope, Isle of Tears," and it tells her story. Of course, it doesn't go into great detail, uh, but it, but it tells the story of making the journey from from Ireland, from Cove to New York. Uh, starts out, you know, on the first day of January 1892. So you really can't mess up the date there mm-hmm. if, if you hear about her, and she's mentioned as the first person to be admitted on to Ellis Island as an immigrant. The song's been covered by all kinds of solo singers and groups. Celtic Thunder, Be Still My Heart.
1: That hurricane guy that you, uh, you had. I liked
0: like. him more when he had shorter <laughs> hair. Let's just he, let let's just lay that line I down right now. I didn't know he
1: was not like checked up last week or the week before and I realized he had a <laughs> mullet or whatever. Oh, okay.
0: you no, know, thank you. I, li- I like him back in 09, <laughs> 10. Uh, anyways, yes, yeah, so Celtic Thunder, Celtic Woman, the Irish Tenors, um, and more. Those are just a few of the, of the ones that stick out for me. Uh, but her descendants in a Amer- America actually got together, Joe, in just last year, 2016, at the Irish America Hall of Fame. And her descendant, his name is Paul Linehan, he closed their meeting in the evening singing the song. Really cool. You've got more than 100 years later and you've got her great, 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 who knows, mm-hmm. you know, um, singing the song, commemorating her her name and her honor. And it's a really moving video. That's I think great. we should share the link in our show notes. I think
1: we can do that.
0: Come in, come in full circle. We have
1: a new segment because we I, don't have I enough, wanted, because, right? I, because I wanted to name a segment after myself <laughs> using a funny. <laughs> he random. got
0: the idea from me, technically, from something that I said earlier uh, in the week when I said Pots Thoughts, and then <laughs> we'll we'll get to, we'll get yeah, there no, we'll, we'll get, get
1: there. It. This is Joe's prose and prose is spelled P-R-O-S-E and as with every segment in this that is a complete lie because what this segment is is it's going to be me reading out a poem or a piece of writing related to our current subject um, and this time it's a poem and a poem is obviously the opposite of prose so it's not just prose <laughs> Good but job, rhymes jo. so we're going with that All right. the poem I'm reading today is actually a song by the Pogues but I think it works better as a poem so I'm gonna you're not gonna sing it for us I am not going ah, to sing it for us because it. I just I'm not Shane McGowan so <laughs> it wouldn't work out that way uh, as I said I think it works better as a poem so that's why I'm doing it and it has to do with the famine and emigration, which all of the next four will it is called thousands are sailing the island it is silent now but the ghosts still haunt the waves and the torch lights up a famished man "'who fortune could not save. "'Did you work upon the railroad? "'Did you rid the streets of crime? "'Were your dollars from the White House? "'Were they from the five and dime? "'Did the old songs taunt or cheer you, "'and did they still make you cry? "'Do you count the months and years, "'or did your teardrops quickly dry? "'Ah, no, says he, "'twas not to be, "'on a coffin ship I came here, "'and I never even got so far "'that they could change my name.' Thousands are sailing across the Western Ocean to a land of opportunity that some of them will never see. Fortune prevailing across the Western Ocean, their bellies full and their spirits free, they'll break the chains of poverty and they'll dance. In Manhattan's desert twilight, in the death of the afternoon, we stepped hand in hand on Broadway like the first man on the moon, and the blackbird broke the silence as you whistled it so sweet and in Brendan Beans footsteps I danced up and down the street. Then we said goodnight to Broadway, giving it our best regards, tipped our hats to Mr. Cohen, dear old Times Square's favourite bard. Then we raised a glass to JFK and a dozen more besides. When I got back to my empty room, I suppose I must have cried. Thousands are sailing again across the ocean where the hand of opportunity draws tickets in a lottery postcards were mailing of sky blue skies and oceans from rooms the daylight never sees where lights don't glow on christmas trees and we dance to the music and we dance there it is beautiful yeah i thought it was beautiful it was nice.
0: very fitting absolutely yeah
1: Wow. So, moving on from wow. that. Wow,
0: yeah, if if you don't, when you're done wiping is, the tears with the Kleenex, right?
1: little heavy there, Joe.
0: little bit, but I liked it. Um, I'm yeah. a fan.
1: So, let's move on to Slanger Shite.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we did
1: not set, yeah, maybe we did set this perfectly, so,
0: A yeah. <laughs> little bit of humor to it.
1: Um, yeah, so with Slanger Shite from now on, we're just going to do half of it, or go back to its original form, I guess. Caitlin is going to do it this week and I'm going to do it next week and so on and so forth. So, so here it is.
0: Slang. Or shite. Here we go, Joe. All hit right. Me. Come on, hit me. Your first one. I'm going to get all of these, though. Probably. I'm kind of, I'm kind of bummed. Yeah, I'm already I, bummed. You're
1: not very good at this.
0: I'm trying. <laughs> what is a horse?
1: It's an animal.
0: Oh! This as in how you 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 horse, I don't know why I say get this because it could be that it's shite and there's nothing to get, it's just that it's wrong. What is a horse?
1: Sometimes guys call each other horse, as in how you horse, how are you getting on? Mm. Um, So, this
0: must be shite, I don't know.
1: I don't know, you tell me, friend. Okay, um, I guess what I just said could be that, I guess do you have a horse in a sentence for me I don't no okay no. well I think we'll call that a tie then
0: okay jammy jammy you're, you're such a jammy there
1: jammy um lucky or alright alright unfairly lucky okay um I'm trying to think of the actual word but no yeah. you're
0: fine you got it jammy damn, damn it. it okay
1: what, what did oh. you what did you have known
0: lucky person oh
1: yeah okay all
0: right last one cotton
1: cotton as in codding
0: c-o-d-d-i-n no j
1: i'm only cotton i'm only joking (laughs) she's she's just put a pout on her face and crossed her arms like a child (laughs) because she's really (laughs) bad at her (laughs) segment
0: All right, fine. I guess I guess they're all slaying. I thought some of them were shite, though. Yeah. I got really excited there when I wrote those H-horse down.
1: Horse is probably poorly explained, but yeah, that's... uh
0: I thought for sure horse was not going to be a thing.
1: How your horse, I guess, can technically How count you, as How are horse? Friend.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Yeah.
1: That's, uh, that's that. <laughs> um,
0: that's that. Okay.
1: Okay. We have Caitlin and Conch today, and to save the trees, I've, wow. done, I, I've done it on a Google um, again. He put it to shame. Today.
0: Wow, once again. So
1: there you have it, Caitlin and Conch. Yes, episode, episode seven. seven. First page. There is what you have to read. Please read it very quickly. That's
0: really long, though. It is.
1: It's pretty long. Why is you? it so long? It's I. I have. I'm not trying to catch you out anymore. No, you are. I am at this point. <laughs> I am trying to teach you lines that do have something to do with what we're talking about and may, you won't use this one in the future, but it's it's not to catch you out, it is to um, teach you. Okay. And it does have to do with what we spoke about today, so.
0: Okay. That'll
1: give you a good chance when you're guessing.
0: K me don't ah uh, This is gonna be good. Jog. Okay. Aaron. Don. Merrick I don't know. There's an accent on the A, so I don't know how that. I know it's it's probably America, but Mer Gay.
1: Come
0: on. Lynn On Gortamore.
1: Not terrible. Not, really? not terrible. Okay. Okay.
0: okay. K Vaid Dini Odd Dog. Oh my gosh, I got that one right. Yeah,
1: I was I was hoping <laughs> it was going to say Defag or something like that. But no. I thought about it. it was...
0: Don Marika Lay Lin on Goethe War. Okay, all right. What do you think that means? Um, can we go back to the original? Thank you. There you go. Um, all right. I know it's something something Ireland to America.
1: Those two words are capitalized, so that must mean something to do with what no. we're talking about. I'm helping you out here as best I can. I
0: know, I appreciate it. I don't think it means famine. Uh, I wonder if it's, it couldn't be, the, I don't think it's the name of a ship. Uh, cliffs of more probably not. I'm thinking more. I, I basically
1: just told you what it means, and you were like, "I don't think it could be that."
0: It's a famine that doesn't it resembles the famine in no way at all. So that's why. Okay. All right. Fine. Okay. Um, when did you leave Ireland for America? Okay. In the no 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 no, no continue, continue in, uh, what year? Did you leave Ireland for America during the famine?
1: You're actually quite close, but if you weren't such a terrible student, you would have <laughs> this. Because we had cave before, mm. when we were talking about how many sheep were on Dingle Peninsula. Oh,
0: I just got lost in the whole so, sheep part of that, though. How many people left Ireland for America during the Great Famine? Okay, alright. Noted.
1: Kay Vaidh dini a dog erin dun merica le lin an war. Garthavore is the great hunger or great
0: Oh, that's, okay.
1: That's yeah, that's how it translates.
0: Okay, okay. In Irish. Okay.
1: And that has been Caitlin at Conch. Wow,
0: well, there you go. I think I'm getting better.
1: A little bit. I'm, I'm also trying to help you here, so.
0: <laughs> Well, I think it's time to move on from Caitlin at Conch to our
1: Renamed, other... freshly renamed segment. yes. We had yes. some genius punmanship and rhymes. In and order to get this, this, though...
0: Week. My last name's Potts.
1: Caitlin Potts is who you're listening to right now. Yes, please don't
0: send me spam. (laughs) So we were talking the other day about last names, and I was going on about how my last name's Potts and how it rhymes with things and blah, blah, blah. And then Joe, with his creative little mind over there, thought of renaming this segment Potts and Plans. And that is our... Which
1: sounds like pots and pans, but it also yes. sounds like potted plants, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> so either way, you have something. But this is our tour. This is our tour, yes, our tour for the week. Our tour for the reason, God, not tour for the week. Pot, dear pots dear and God. Plans because pots and plans. Pot, pots
1: plans for you. Yes,
0: yes. So our tour for this reason is the East Coast Excursion. It has you flying into Dublin and out of Shannon. You spend two nights in Belfast which is my very favorite place uh, ever on the Emerald Isle. Uh, You get to check out Titanic Belfast.
1: Not hinting at anything.
0: Not hinting at anything at all. Uh, And you also visit St. Patrick's Center, uh, which of course is very big with Irish ancestry and heritage. Then you spend a night in... Stro- You've heard this one before. So I you know, think, it's, it stumps me every time. Drahada. Dra- Drahada. So the G is silent. Uh, then you get two nights in Wicklow, where you can see cool places like Newgrange, and you can also uh, take a trip from Wicklow to Dublin, where you'll see, again, the, fam- the Famine Memorial and... Epic, the Irish Immigration Museum. Epic Ireland. Epic Ireland. Then you get a night in Wexford with the chance to see Dumbrody Famine Ship. And your last two nights you're in Cork, where uh, you can venture over to Cove, check out Annie Moore's statue and the Cove Heritage Center, and then do some Cork City exploring. Uh, As we always say with our self-drive tours, this gives you the prime opportunity to Take whatever suggestions we have and make this tour your own. And it's at your leisure. It's uh, whatever you would like to do.
1: Where can we find these tours, Caitlin?
0: Oh, well, fancy that. I can answer this question for you right now, Joe. Uh, you can find these tours and those mentioned during past episodes at crystal-travel.com reasons. Woo! All right, well, that is all that we have for you today. But we hope you will stay tuned for reason number 8 coming out Monday March 6th I'm very excited about this one uh Joe's all set give me that drum roll give me that drum roll Joe Reason number eight is the Titanic.
1: We kept that one quiet. We only said it almost twice during the episode, <laughs> but anyway. Um, we have we, a new
0: intern here who I think is maybe more excited than even I am about this. Any
1: mention of the word Titanic?
0: Any a, mention. A, a one, and I think our weird. moms are probably it's, excited too <laughs> because they're our moms. So, it's know. good
1: for us for moving on to a lighter topic from the <laughs> famine to Titanic. I don't so know
0: how that's, much that's lighter it always, is though. Let's, let's nice. think about that. Uh, yes, we thank you so much for listening. We want to remind you to visit 50reasonspodcast.com for upcoming episodes as well as our show notes and find us on Facebook at 50 Reasons Podcast as well as Twitter at 50 Reasons Pod, and please subscribe on iTunes. So- I,
1: I was about to do the begging part oh. I was gonna say, and, and always <laughs> I will beg please,
0: please, please
1: subscribe on iTunes rate and review please. us on iTunes so more and more people can listen to us.
0: Yes. Until mm. next time everybody.
1: Sláin o